Welcome back to the third edition of the African HQ podcast. And although the wait was longer than expected, good things come to those who wait. And we are joined once again by myself, Dean, and the man, the myth, the legend, Ahmed Osman, the boss man. How are you, Ahmed? Always too kind to me. Um, yeah, I'm really good. Really, really good. Um, and third episode. So, yeah, uh, we had to wait a little bit, but we're back um, and we've got a lot to talk about. Plenty to chat about both at club level and at international level. This is what we mm-hmm. do. It's the hub of African football in English. So, Ahmed, the pinnacle of African club football, the CAF Champions League. The drama has finally put to bed, as we spoke about in the last show, with the final with Esperance and Casablanca. And we're back for a new season. It kicks off at the end of November 2019 when the group phase is underway and the group stage draw has been made. Originally, we saw the 15 teams that were in it. And then Ahmed, your boy Zamalek, mm-hmm. just about creeped in to make it 16. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's actually important. We should talk about that game first. Um, obviously, there was a lot of controversy around what was going on between uh, Zamalik and uh, and Generation Foot. And um, yeah, it was, it was basically, it started off if no one um, obviously remembers because it did happen quite a while back. Uh, Generation Foot was supposed to go for the return leg um, in Cairo. And obviously, there was a few security issues in Cairo and Zamalik decided to not play it um, and then decided again to play it and then um, when it was re- rescheduled for a couple of days after, they, I think the Senegalese side didn't want to play. They decided not to play. And so Zamalek went on and onto the pitch. General Foot didn't even get to the, to the pitch um, or even arrive at the stadium. And, uh, and yeah, it caused a, f- a massive issue between CAF and they decided to replay it. So they did and, and Zamalek kind of edged uh, through and, and they won the match. Even though they actually, if you think about it, uh, played really well that match. Uh, but Generation Foot really did give them a few scares. Uh, and a 1-0 win was just about to get them through on away goals. So that was the obviously the, the update on, on that match. And uh, Zamalek make it through to another group stage um, draw and, and they get a tough group again. So it's really difficult, Dean, because I don't know about you. We've got, mm-hmm. we've, got, we've got 11 former champions, uh, obviously, in the field for the group stages. Uh, yeah. So there was, it's actually, there's little chance of you having an easy group, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to say that you're going to have a team in a group that's going to be mm. plain sailing definitely through. I think there's always going to be question marks. And that's probably what makes a competition so good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, let's go through the groups real quick. Um, obviously, Group A... Uh, Premier Augusto of Angola, TP uh, Mazimbi, uh, obviously big, massive club, uh, Zamalik, after winning that, that replay. Zesco United, that, that obviously covers Group A. Well, what do you think of that group, Dean? I think Mazembe will comfortably come first. I think when you go to their ground, it's very, very difficult to score, let alone win. I think Mazembe will win every home game, and I think mm-hmm. they'll get enough points on the road to come top. I think Zamalek should come second. Um, mm-hmm. I did watch that qualifying game and they've got a couple of decent players in their side. I know the Angolan outfit a couple of years ago made it all the way to the semis um, mm-hmm. with a little bit of ref help, but they're not as good as they were two years ago. So I don't think they've got enough steam. And unfortunately, I think Zesco United will be in fourth position. So I'm going to go Mazembe first and Zamalek second. Do you agree? Yeah, I, I, I obviously five-time champion Mazembe, massive club, 
um, away from home, not so um, difficult when when you put them at home, um, and and so I, I, I see them winning. I, I think they're not win, they're not winning because they're so good. I, I feel like the the, the the teams that they have in 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 their group are not so good away from home, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think they're going to be perfect at home, especially against Zamalek. Zamalek struggle a lot away from home. They are nowhere near the quality that they are at home with their fans around them. So I I, I see. Like you said, quite comfortably, Mazembe winning the group and Zamalek coming in second if they're able to grab a couple of points away from home. Um, I, I don't trust them to win any of the games away from home unless the other team is poor. Uh, so, so I, I believe if they if they're able to not lose away from home, then they'll they'll win their games comfortably at home. Um, obviously, not the, not the Mazembe match. That is not going to be a comfortable match whatsoever. No so. Um, yeah, I think we we both agree in, in Group A. Uh, group B, obviously, it was Sahel of Tunis uh, or Tunisia. If you're not African, if you if you're not Arab, yeah, star. Uh, if you're not French, Al <laughs> Hilal um, is um, that's obviously of Sudan, platinum of Zimbabwe, and obviously massive man club Al Ahly of Egypt, uh, top seeds of the group. Yeah, it's it's. Obviously, a very difficult group. Very, very difficult group. So, um, I'm going to guess uh, by thinking that you probably think Al Ahly are going to win the group. Yeah, I know how much you love Al Ahly as a Zamalek fan. Then you just you just can't get enough of Al Ahly. I know how much you you Absolutely. like the team. Absolutely, a huge, huge supporter of him. So <laughs> I, I think he's going to kill me after this. I think Ahly uh, will win that group, and I think they'll win it comfortably. Like I think Mozambique winning Group A. Um, I think I think Egyptian football, not internationally obviously, but I think at club level, they're as good as it gets right now in Africa. I don't see too many dominant nations at, at club level. I know of course we've got the Tunisian champions, but apart from Esperance, I don't see mm. any of the other Tunisian sides as strong. So I actually think Al Hilal of Sudan are going to come second in this one. I saw mm. good things from them in the Arab Champions League um, the past couple of years, and I think they've got enough to come second. I think they'll they'll whip the uh, Zimbabwean boys home in a way. And I think mm-hmm. they'll get something in Tunisia. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I've got to agree. I think Al Ahly have been phenomenal this season. They've been winning their matches um, by scoring not less than four goals. I think they've played three matches right now in the Egyptian Premier League and they've scored uh, four. They've scored, I think they've gone uh, past it, double digits now. So they are not messing about. They have a new manager in Rene Weiler who is playing a lovely football, very attacking, very free uh, free. Uh, free football and it's just it's a joy to watch right now they are blowing teams away um, you've got to watch out for uh, Hamdi Fati who plays in midfield for, for Al-Ahli obviously you know he has had a phenomenal season last season in, in the middle of the park he's taken over from Al-Ahli legend Hossam Ashur who is a veteran um, and is not at the level that he always used to be um, obviously th- that golden generation of Abu Trika, Barakat uh, Sayyid Ma'awad and, and obviously Hossam Ashur who's won uh, the most uh, title, Egyptian Premier League titles um uh, I think in 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 terms of a player Al Ahly, so he is a legend, and he is obviously he's got a massive role as a, as a captain in that team. But yes, Hamdi Fatih is a brilliant box to box player. I need to keep an eye on this in this young fella because he even scored for for Egypt in the, in the match against Botswana in a friendly, which we'll be getting to the friendlies later. Um, yeah. So yeah, Al Ahly been playing really really good football. I think they're going to blow every single team 
in this in this uh, group uh, away, and uh, and they are really really massive favourites for for this title. I I remember saying in the first podcast, if you've listened to the first podcast with you and Ed Dove, I was really worried about Al Ahly. Um, but since uh, Ray Wilder's come in, he's coming with a philosophy. He's coming with a plan, and you know they've had they've had a really really good transfer window, and I, I really think they are the team to watch out for in this group. I've got to go with Hilal second. I, I have to agree with you. In the, obviously in in the Arab competition, they have been very impressive, um, especially on the counter attack. And I have to say. I don't think they're going to do obviously amazing things after the group stage or after if if they do qualify to the group, to the quarterfinals. But they are massive, massive players in this group, in my opinion, and uh, I got to agree with you. And the rest, two, the rest of the two teams, they've got a shot. Obviously, uh, they also play for with the, with the other three uh, three teams in the group, so uh, it's 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 close. But I I really do fancy Hadal level. Um, so yeah, uh, Group C. Uh, obviously, you will know more about Osman Aljaf than, than than me. Obviously, yeah. of Algeria, um, I, I bet you've got a lot to say about about them right now. Quite recently, um, Mamelodi Sundowns, of course, massive, massive uh, team in South Africa, um, and and a team to really, really watch out for because they've been threatening in in past years in this competition in the latter stages. Uh, Petro Atletikov, Angola, and with that Casablanca uh, again. I should probably mention. That this is, I think, the third time they've gone, they've they've been in the same group consecutively. Mamelodi uh, Sundown, Sundowns, Sundowns and with Casablanca. Casablanca, exactly. So, uh, what what do you think of that? Well, I'll start with Yusma. Um, obviously, qualified for the CAF Champions League as Algerian League winners. <laughs> Since they've won the league, they've been in absolute turmoil. Um, mm-hmm. The owner of the club is now in jail. So players have not been paid. Yusma's oh uh, last three league games have ended in three nil losses because they haven't turned up due to players having unpaid wages. They've lost the midfielder Ben Hamasa, who's gone to Malaga. They've lost Mazian, who's gone to the Middle East, Al Ain. So they've lost some key players and they've lost a lot of quality in their team. And of course, with no money, they haven't been able to replace them either. So they are now languishing in an Algerian mid-table or oh even turning up for games. Now, the club have said, we're not completely bust yet. We will compete in the Cup Champions League. It's very, very difficult to see Yusma going to South Africa and Angola. How they're going to afford the travel, I don't know. Let's see close to the time if they do turn up to those games. But there is no expectation for Yusma, despite their stature in the continent, to do really well in this group. It'll be a miracle if they do. Of course, they'll play their home games at the 5th July Stadium in Algiers, the national team stadium. Maybe mm-hmm. if the fans turn up, they'll get a boost. But player-wise, they're not getting paid. Are they going to be motivated enough to play these CAF Champions League matches? Because, of course, if they do progress, there is quite a chunky financial reward for going far in this competition. So it's going to be mm-hmm. interesting if Yusma completely sack off the league, not turn up to games still, and go for it with these CAF games. So, worse squad than last season, but Algerians are not going to give up just like that. Let's see what they do. Of course, against Moroccan team, it'll be a little bit spicy. I think on the road, Yusma are going to lose every game. Um, but let's see how it pans out. I think with Casablanca, of course, they're still going to be very mm-hmm. bitter about losing the final against Esperance. Of course, very controversial. They almost played it again. Uh, are they going to bounce back professionally or are they going to moan at every single decision that occurs in this, in this competition? <laughs> Mamelodi, as you said, great side. They smacked Ahly 5-0, didn't they, in, uh, in last season's CAF competition. 
I'm yes. expecting plenty of the same. And we saw South Africa at the AFCON. A lot of Mamelodi players were part of that squad. That uh, who they beat again? Egypt. That's right. <laughs> and um, let, let's be fair. Pe- Petra Atletico are, are going to be making up the numbers in uh, in, in this one. I mean. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> you did make me laugh a few, laugh a few times. I'm, I'm trying to gain my composure again. Um, so no, let's let's. Okay, to be honest, I, I want to just obviously correct one thing that I said. That it's not for the third time. It's actually for the fourth consecutive year that they've actually been in the same group. So they've That's got crazy. to be getting. They've, yeah, they've got to be getting sick of each other. I have to say. Um, but I've got a question about Usma. So yeah. are they com- are they completely broke? Yes, well, because the owner's in prison, so he, he, he's, his assets were frozen and seized. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I understand since the, the free league games, which they lost 3-0, um, there have been a, there's been a cash injection one way or another. Now, we don't know if the owners had mates outside in the real world uh, leaking cash in through third party, we don't know. But the bottom line is, Yusmar are competitive again, and um, they're ready to compete again. Of course, the players can still play even if they're not getting paid. That's that's not necessarily a reason to stop playing. Yeah. Especially in a prestigious competition like this, you expect them to want to make a name for themselves and get financial reward going forward. So, but I think with all the turmoil going on at the club, they're not going to be in a good place in the in this tournament. Yeah, yeah, I I, I have to agree. Um, I was shocked when you told me this uh, before we recorded it. So, that's that's tough on 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 the club and the fans, and obviously it's a massive club in Algeria. So. Yeah, good luck to them, and uh, I'm sure the fans will be supporting. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you, uh, Mamelodi. Obviously, big favourites in this group. They have such speed, and and the, the, their attack is so dynamic, and they're they're really able to attack with speed. And I think in the modern game, speed is so vital. Um, you look at the likes of Mo Salah and, and Mane, some of the players coming out of Africa that obviously have loads of it. It's not the only thing they possess, but that is one of the main reasons why they're so, so good on the world level and on a global level. So, um, so much talent in, in that, obviously, in that in that forward line for Mamelo de Sundowns, and I worry for every single team in that group from that. Uh, Petra Flitico, I have to agree with you. I don't think they have, obviously, um, a massive chance in this. They're going to be, uh, they're going to they're gonna really have a, a massive challenge. Uh, but, uh, moving on swiftly with that, uh, they're going to be angry. They're going to be uh, obviously feeling a little bit unjustified, feeling like the decision was unjustified for them not to uh, be champions. They're going to believe they are champions even though they're not and they're going to really try to get that official title this year. Um, it's it's really, it's it's not a difficult group to, it's just, I can only see two teams winning this. It's got to be uh, Mamelodi Sundowns or with that, uh, or one or the other. Yeah, uh, first correct, or I agree. Um, and of course, no one's getting passed on Yango in between the sticks. <laughs> you, you know what I think of him. I've, we've, we've said it several times. He does remind me of um, Esam al Hadari. He is—he he really is. He, he's for for his size. I don't think he he'll be able to make some or some particular saves, but he is phenomenal in every. Every way, um, and such a brilliant leader as well. One of the main points um, I wanted to make was he actually was uh, the standout performer for Uganda. I think, uh, despite the the brilliance they had throughout the pitch, but he will always be uh, one of my favourite African players, um, hands down, absolutely. Yeah. So, Group D, Group D, uh, Rajak Casablanca of Morocco, uh, J J S Kavali of Algeria. Did I pronounce that right, Dean? Well, as far as I'm concerned, yes, but I am got a British voice myself, so I have to accept it. <laughs> I think we'll have to skip and, and forgive the trolls that are going to comment on our pronunciation. They call it JSK in Algeria. 
Oh, we'll say JSK then. Yeah. Um, uh, Vita Club, obviously, uh, of uh, Democratic uh, Congo. And, uh, and Esperance, obviously, holders of, uh, of controversy, uh, holders <laughs> of the African Champions League title. So uh, we spoke to, obviously, Ed Dove, um, head of content at Goal.com, and he said, in his opinion, that Esperance are going to have it all to do this year because they have lost a lot of their players uh, from last season. Obviously, you know one of them very well, um, Blaney. He's yeah. gone to Saudi Arabia. Can you tell me a little bit about how maybe Algeria, Algerian fans um, and possibly Esperance fans saw the decision for him to go to uh, Saudi Arabia, possibly for the money? Um, and, and, and what do you think of Esperance and have they got a big chance of, of obviously maintaining their form from last season? Well, as I'd said in the, the first podcast, he is right. Esperance have lost a lot of key and quality players. So they are a weakened side. Uh, I think Esperance fans were aware that Bellaney would leave in the summer. He sort of hinted at it during his season there. But what they mm-hmm. weren't expecting was for him to move to Saudi Arabia. They very much thought like a, a mid-table club in Turkey would have taken him on board or something like that. Um, a bit like when Trezeguet went to um, to, to to the Turkish League and went to Kasim Pasa. We were thinking yeah. similar things with Bellaney. Uh, of course... He's not gone for that option. He's gone for the, the financial option at Al Ahly. He's going to get far more money and, and wages and salary uh, playing in the Saudi League, even though the quality is lower for him. That's his personal incentive. Of course, he was banned from the game for two years. He obviously feel like he's got some time to make up. So he's gone to Saudi Arabia and, uh, and good luck to him, which is a shame, of course, with Esperance in the Club World Cup next month. But it is what it is. Uh, they lost some other players as well. They lost Koulibaly at the back and they lost... Um, uh, another Algerian player, but what they did do interestingly is they went into the Algerian league and signed four Algerian league players, including Ralph Bengit from Yusma. They mm-hmm. signed Chetty. They signed a few players from from the Algerian league, so they obviously feel that because Belayli was such a success coming from uh, from next door, they've gone and signed some more Algerians to make up for it. So let's see if the likes <laughs> of Bengit and Chetty blossom as well in that team, and uh, even Badrain, who come from AS Steph. Steph Gone to Esperance at the back as well, so I do think they're weakened. But when you, what are they? Won the last two Champions Leagues with theirs. You've got to say, still going to be hot favourites if they've won the last two, despite the fact that they've uh, lost all those players. And as for uh, JS Kabili Juska, they're in a better place mm. than Yusma. They, they were runners up in Algerian League last season. Um, yeah. No standout talents, but good team as a collective. Of course, Kabili is uh, is a, they have their own even their own language and their own flag. Uh, in that part of Algeria, it's, it's it's a completely different part away from Algiers. Traditionally, a good side, been in the CAF Champions League final before. Have they got the quality to go far? I don't think so. Particularly when you've got Esperance in the group, and you've got Raja, and you've got Vita Club who are always there or thereabouts. It's really hard for me as much as I want to make a case for JSK. Um, I still think Esperance will come first, and I think Vita Club will probably come second. I don't think Raja have got the quality that we don't have. Well, what mm-hmm. do you think, Ahmed? Yeah, I I, I don't think I think JSK. Um, as you told me to name them, <laughs> are all, yep. I, I think it's going to be difficult. I, I have to say, um, I don't. I'm not optimistic for Esperance. I think the experience at this at this tournament and and the, the, I think the fact that they're still one of the favourites despite losing so many vital players um, is going to is going to be priceless. And uh, I think they've got a real chance. I don't think they're obviously before losing those players have. I just think they have the same ch- the same chance of winning it quite easily. But I think it's going to be a real scrap between Vita Club. Raja and Esperance, and I think Esperance will just about make it through 
with Vita Club, and I think Roger are going to have a real chance, but I just think they, they won't get through. Um, a lot of people are going to think we're, we're agreeing with each other, but it's just because great minds think alike, guys. And, uh, Absolutely. And, uh, and yeah, we, we just know what we're talking about. <laughs> well, let's see where the game start, are they? Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's the African Champions League. Um, I know it's really early, Dean, but do you have a favourite or do you have a prediction for who's going to win it? We're going to look back at this podcast and uh, laugh at your prediction. I, I, I think Al Ahly will win it. Oh my God! They're really going to think we're copying each other now. It almost pains me to say this with with, with my, all my heart, but Al Ahly are the strongest team in this competition, and they're the only team that actually have strengthened, strengthened um, rather than lost players. And I feel like a lot of these teams have suffered a lot, whether it's financially, whether it's to uh, to in squads, um, whether it's I don't know, presidents getting arrested. It's it's really <laughs> it's really difficult. So um, they're they're really at a stable position right now. Zamalik um, and I think Mitchell are a real threat. They just need to polish their act. They've got some really, really good players. The likes of Obama, the, the, the really, really impressive and, and forever, uh, I don't know, lavish and, and skillful Shikabala who comes on and, and lights up every game despite his um, really no zero ability to defend. Um, he, they, they really do have some really good players. And with the, with the fan base that they, that they have, I think they have a real chance as well. Just need to polish their, their, their act away from home, especially with the fact they won the Confederation Cup last season. So they, they have a winning mentality right now, and I think they've got a chance. But I have to go with Al-Ahli. Um, I, I, I can't not say Esperance. I think Esperance has got a chance, but they've, they've been weakened. But again, the fact that they have such massive fan base and expectation, they will be um, up there. And uh, and I have to I have to I have to say, um, of course, uh, TP Mazimbi. Uh, so those four are really my top. Uh, actually, I, I can't believe I'm not going to say this, but it has to be Mimaludi Sanders as well. And Ali fans will know uh, what it's like to to get a thrashing from them. And uh, and uh, I I really do hope that final becomes. Um, and Ahli and uh, Sundowns because I really, I really think it's going to be absolute fire because if 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 there's anything that Ahli fans or Egyptian fans in general love more than anything, I think any 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 type of fans is revenge and and that five nil really really hurt for them uh, and and the fact that if they ever get a chance to to you know get get that chance for re- get that chance for revenge um, apologies then uh, it's going to be one hell of a match. So uh, yeah. That is the African Champions League. Uh, let's swiftly move on to the friendlies between some of the some of the uh, African nations. Um, let's highlight some of I think one of the some of the the the, uh, the matches that I think were brilliant um, and and really did showcase some of Africa's best talents. And they both involve Brazil. Let's talk about Senegal and uh, Brazil. So Senegal want to travel to Brazil, Dean, and uh, it's safe to say that. Not many people thought they could go into Brazil's backyard and, and not lose. And actually, they were really, really impressive that match, weren't they? They're very impressive. And of course, they even went there and scored, which plenty of people said was not possible. Now, what people need to understand is that Brazil put out a full-strength squad. This was not Brazil testing players, resting players. This is Brazil, the five times mm-hmm. World Cup winners. And Senegal went there and drew and probably deserved a little bit more. Uh, Brazil did hit the woodwork, of course, in that game, but... Senegal were more than deserved of their points. Of course, another example of a, a local coach going very well for them and in the back <laughs> of the AFCON performance, although they lost the final against Algeria twice 
uh, mm-hmm. in the tournament. They do look like a very good side and you feel like that this generation is going to still improve. And if they can battle with Brazil, I feel Senegal can battle with anyone. They've got such good talents. You know, Mane, Koulibaly, both nominated for the Ballon d'Or, as we'll, as we'll talk mm-hmm. about a little bit later. But Brazil was struggling to carve out opportunities in that game. Yeah. You're yeah. talking about the likes of Firmino, Jesus in that game. Yeah. They couldn't do it. They couldn't well, do it against Senegal. So would I ask you the question to you. Brazil, were they weak or was Senegal rather strong? Well, let's let's have a look at some of these players here. Alisson, who's, who started off, Thiago Silva. Um, uh, obviously, he said Jesus. Um, obviously, David Al- uh, uh, Daniel Alves. So, Coutinho, Casemiro. This isn't a weak side. This is a very strong side playing in Brazil in front of Brazilian fans. And, and Senegal went over there to their backyard and they played really, really well. This isn't the first time we've seen Senegal play so well on, on a global stage. Obviously, at the World Cup, they were brilliant. They were the best African side there. Um, obviously, you know, some, some of the other teams weren't so, weren't so brilliant. Um, obviously, my home nation, we went out there and lost all three games, including Saudi Arabia. It was an absolute nightmare. And um, Tunisia, of course, as well, got thrashed from both England and Belgium, which is not a bad thing, actually, because both of them are brilliant, brilliant teams. Uh, and, and I have to say that Senegal only, are the, were the only team that came back from um, that tournament with their, held, with their heads held high. And they built on it, you know. They really did build on it. They did brilliantly um, in, the, in the AFCON. And uh, they ran into a really, really tough Algerian side who, if you remember, Dean, I did put up for one of the, as one of the favourites to win it. Someone who is Algerian said that they wouldn't win it or they wouldn't even come close. So uh, it's, it's safe to say that um, Senegal are really building, but they're going to really need to win something now. They've got... One, so I think one of the best squads they've ever had. They've always been able to produce, whether it's um, in, in past generations. So they need to start winning now. And I think they've got to start doing that with the next AFCON, um, hopefully in Cameroon. So, um, yeah, uh, that, that's, that's, I think that's my analysis of the game. They're, they are really, really a team that can play at the highest level because most of them play in Europe, so they're used to it. Um, Let's kind of move on a little bit. Uh, say, let's stick with the Brazil friendlies, unfortunately, for the people that love African African content because they are playing another. They did play another African team in Nigeria. Uh, another another one-one draw. Uh, it seems like uh, you know Brazil couldn't beat African nations at all. You actually, I remember you put out a tweet which made me laugh. Um, you said one-one between Brazil and Senegal, one-one between <laughs> Brazil and Nigeria. Yes. Theref- yes. Therefore, and then Algeria, Algeria one, Senegal zero, and obviously Algeria two, Nigeria one, which means Algeria bigger than Brazil. <laughs> now, Why are you laughing? I'm not, I'm not joking. Well, you were laughing a second ago. We could beat Brazil if not. I mean, Algeria and Senegal have just drew to them. But well, this is the thing, right? Brazil against Nigeria. Again, Neymar, Firmino, Jesus. It's ridiculous. And they couldn't do more than Nigeria's front three. And it's a very exciting front three, I'm sure you'll agree, of Chikwesi, mm-hmm. Iwobi and Ozimhen. Now, this lad at Lille is on fire. The league up yeah. of the month, Ozimhen, went from Belgium to Lille, started against Brazil up front, you know, ahead of the likes of Igalo and, uh, and Ahmed Musa, Ihinacho. Mm-hmm. This guy is going to be their hot talent. And with Chukwezi and Iwobi either side of him, Nigeria could be a bit of a scary threat in years to come. And if they could do that against Brazil, what are they going to do against the African sides? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I was impressed, obviously, with Chikuzi. Chuk- is is an unbelievable talent. I saw him at Afcon. He is lightning fast. He really is, and he's a he's a brilliant dribbler. You know, he really is one of uh, the best talents that are upcoming here in Africa. So, I, I really am looking forward to see what he's gonna come up with moving forward. It will be an Ndidi. Two very proven talents in the Premier League. It will be probably not at his best um, recently, but indeed he is having one hell of a season with Leicester. He is probably one of the most underrated players in the Premier League at the moment. And uh, he continuously uh, proves to me that he is, you know, worthy of a big move to a big club. And uh, and he's proving it here as well, away at Brazil. So Nigeria, I think, always are a team to... I think they're really frustrating for their own for their own people when, when Nigerian fans watch them and, and they don't really reach the level that you expect them to do. Um, but saying that, uh, sometimes when you don't expect it, they end up winning really, really massive games and massive tournaments. So I, I really hope that this is a, a point where they actually build on, on performances like this, build on, on a very uh, great tournament at AFCON. And, uh, and yeah, I, I think they're going to be big threats moving forward with the talent that they have. Now, moving swiftly forward again, this is something I really wanted to talk about for a very long time, um, and we've been delaying the podcast a little bit. However, I really, really was impressed by the amazing turnout um, at, in, in France, in, in the Lille Stadium. Um, Algeria, as you may know, because you were there, Dean, mm-hmm. played Colombia in a friendly. I have never seen that amount of turnout for an African nation away at Europe. Uh, the, the fans were everywhere. There was there were white t-shirts everywhere. The noise was deafening um, and the performance was there to match it. Now, I want you to, to you know, go through what you saw that match um, and, and what, what an occasion it was for, for your country and for your team. Yeah, um, I'll tell you what was easy, first of all. Counting the number mm-hmm. of Colombian fans. I did it on one hand. <laughs> There's four of them. I think one was even a steward in, in the high vis. But anyway, it was uh, it was like a home game, and it's interesting because even Algeria, when they play in Algiers, they don't sell it out. They play in Lille, and of course, Lille is very close to um, the English Channel, so a lot of people from the UK went, such as myself. And the stadium was full with an hour until kickoff. It wasn't full. It was an hour until kickoff, just because they wanted to see the players come and do their warm up. It was absolutely intense there is the way it wasn't segregated this is the algeria half this is the colombia half all the chairs were sold to algerian supporters and it was immense an hour to go you've got drums in there you've got flares and you felt like you were in algiers but it's weird because you're not in this dusty um algerian uh stadium which has got concrete for chairs and uh, grass that's yellow we're in Lille's brand new <laughs> shiny <Champions laughs> ground and and, and surrounded by Algerians it didn't feel like a friendly it felt like a World Cup game like a, a last 16 game or something we're playing Colombia team ninth in the FIFA yeah. rankings now you can say what you want about the FIFA rankings Colombia are always there with their flair and their big players the likes of James and, and Falcao are Colombian so they've got top quality players but I think the fans were very crucial in the result I don't think Algeria would have won that game without the supporters there really pushed them on you really felt like the 12th man to beat Colombia 3-0, you're sending a, after being champions of Africa, you're sending a statement mm. round to the rest of the footballing world. Ninth in the world in Algeria beat them 3-0. And that's a big win for mm. Africa as well, saying we can compete with South America. And a message to FIFA saying, give us more places at the World Cup. 
Well, I don't know that's, if that's the message. Uh, if that message is, is is valid after what they did at the World Cup last time. I think <laughs> it's really important to 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 obviously, um, um, it's really important to kind of put both situations really far apart. This is a friendly game, a massive occasion, but actually the World Cup is the real deal, and that's when actually teams like Colombia, Brazil put their all out and the passion and the fans come out and that's when you actually need to perform so I get what you're trying to say but I think that's a really difficult argument to make especially with the level that Africa is at at the moment but it is getting better it has, I, have to, I have to mention that the teams are getting better especially internationally but getting back to what you said um, <clears throat> Bunaja Mores um, Atol um, you know uh, Ben Amri those players I could even put Bilali in that. Those are they, they are brilliant players, absolutely brilliant players. Mares has finally stepped up, in my opinion, and actually become the leader that he, he in my opinion, never was uh, before. You know, before he actually captains Algeria um, at Afcon, this has given him the confidence that he deserved. He is their main man. You can't look at it any other way. Uh, I don't know if you agree or not, but I, I always believe that the leader of the team is always their best player. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying that, I think Ben Amri is as crucial to this team as all of those other very lavish and brilliant players, those luxurious players that you want. Ben Amri, he, it's unbelievable. Man United paid, um, uh, was it 80 million for, for Maguire? If, mm-hmm. if Maguire costs 80 million, how much does Ben Amri cost team? Listen, Ben Amri is low mug. Ben Amri is a CAF Champions League winner with Steph in an Algerian club. So let's not forget, this guy has been at the pinnacle of African football before. We've seen his mm-hmm. qualities, but like with Belayli, we spoke about restaurants. He's just chosen to go to Saudi Arabia for one reason or another. What shocked me with these Algerian players <laughs> is that they were on the world stage of the AFCON taking place in the summer, and yet still they weren't being picked up in a transfer window. It's just ridiculous. What more have they got to do to be recognised mm-hmm. by the mainstream footballing world? Mm. It's you're, you're absolutely spot on, and I, and I feel like people don't respect African competitions like they that they should. You know, I, I really it annoys me so much when there's an Afcon competition and there's there's not the buzz around it globally as say a Copa America or a Euros. It I just don't understand it. You know, this these types of competitions still have they've had some of of of. Honestly, one well, some of the best players um, the world has produced. Look at Samuel Eto'o, Mo Salah, Mane. These players are stunning players. Aubameyang, how, wh- why not? Uh, uh, why are, I don't know, big station, big broadcasting stations like the BBC, like ITV, um, like Fox, like, you know, all of those really important, ESPN. African HQ. African HQ. <laughs> well, the, well, you know, the, the, the aim is to become big, but I don't think we're going to have our own channel anytime soon. Why do you think people like, or, or stations like that, officials owning these these type of massive um, platforms, are not giving the respect uh, that that these that our competitions deserve? African competitions deserve a lot of respect. I don't, don't know. You? Maybe if they called Marazinho, Ben Lamrinho, uh, Atalinho, then maybe it would have mm-hmm. been different. I do think there's a, uh, a stereotype there somewhere, and it's going to be very difficult to get rid of that stereotype. You know, with people like Pele saying. An African nation is going to win a World Cup by 2000. It didn't happen. And mm-hmm. You can't really see what more can these players do. If they if they go on and win a World Cup, they don't really 
They don't need to go to Europe. They've won the World Cup. That's better than, than playing for Arsenal every week. Do you know what I mean? I just think mm. it's a real shame that they go, get the same respect. Because if you look at the, all these Brazilians and Argentinians, that mm. these scouts have gone to South America to go and find them, bring them here. You look at Real Madrid going to Brazil to get Rodrigo, to get Vinicius Jr. Barca going there to get Artur, to get Neymar. Why are they going to Africa and getting talent that's almost just as good for a tenth of the price? You've got to yeah. say it's just stereotypes. It's just the, the footballing world we live in. But that's why it's so good that, you know, the likes of me and you, we do appreciate these talents and they are top talents and you saw how good they can be with their countries. Look at them drawing to Brazil, beating Colombia. And of course, you haven't mm -hmm. spoken about Egypt's new era yet, playing against the mighty Botswana. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> what can I say? Uh, it, it, I have to say that was one of the worst matches I've ever seen. Um, in terms of entertainment, I, I don't think I was entertained once. Um, not even with the goal. Uh, the goal was crappy. Um, and um, it was funny, actually, I mentioned before Hamdi Fateh, he scored the goal, obviously. But it was very late. I think it was around the 75 to 80 minute mark. And Egypt were struggling. They were really struggling. Now, you can put the argument that actually it was a friendly match and that. Oh, we're having a few sound issues here. Um, that there, you know, that there was um, a friendly match, and they just Sam Badri is a new manager, still mm -hmm. experimental with his first game. But still, saying that, um, the, Egypt are, are struggling for talent right now. They really are struggling for talent, and uh, I really hope that this is just an experimenting phase, uh, just experimenting and, and what type of players he wants. He wants in his in his squad from from the local scene. What type of um, football he wants to play? What type of formation? Uh, and I saw a few glimpses that obviously um, the, the modern way of playing right now is pressing, putting that front block with the with the attackers. And I think Hassan Abadji has always had that in him. Uh, he took it from the legend, the man, the myth um, that is uh, uh, Manuel Jose from from Al Ahly. He played that very aggressive style of play with uh, Butrika and Barakat and, and Flavio when when you know they had they had that golden generation um, in the 2000s. And so I, I'm, I'm excited a little bit, actually, because I think he understands more than anyone uh, the talent that we have. And I think Egypt have always played well at their best, especially during that treble, um, those six magical years when they won the treble of Afcons. Most of the plays were local-based. Yep. And I think they need to start looking at the local scene more now rather than players from outside because Mohamed Nini, Ahmed Hassan Koko of Olympiakos, they don't get the job done, and they're not good enough. So uh, the likes of Mo Salah, I think, will, I think even he would rather have people, players from the local scene that want to play for the national team, that are actually more talented than these players. They just haven't been given the chance because, as you just mentioned, uh, obviously uh, scouts, teams, big teams, lo love to stereotype. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm really hopeful moving forward but this is a, a definitely a rebuilding phase for Egypt absolutely local manager um, as well he's talked about local players local manager might be the key as well well yeah it's, it's worked with Algeria um, it's working with obviously with Senegal both teams in the final um, and I think that's that's what works with African teams in general uh, Herve Renard will obviously uh, disagree but, you know, he just lost his job with Morocco, so I don't think... <laughs> he's gone to Saudi I, I Arabia, like Ben Lambie and Bellaini. Again, for the, for the, uh, uh, obviously, we don't, we don't know 100%, but uh, money is, is a massive incentive in that deal. And uh, you've got to say, when you do leave Morocco, 
uh, one of the best teams in Africa and possibly uh, one of the most exciting teams in the world in terms of talent and, and, and players available right now and go to Saudi Arabia, um, then you have to really uh, consider that some, some of these managers, some of these players are after the money. And you know what? You can't really blame them because a lot of us in their position would have done the same thing. Uh, this is a real-life decision. This is thinking about people's futures, people's personal lives, and uh, you know they want to they want to ensure their lives with financially. And uh, you know I can't I can't sit here and say it's a bad decision. I can just I can see it looking at a football point of view, but I can't look at it at a personal level and say, well, that's a bad decision. No, this is people side, trying Ahmed, to live their lives. Saudi Arabia, yeah. they did yeah. beat Egypt at a World Cup. So then again, well. Yeah. They've got the, the quality. Egypt, Egypt were knocked out uh, beforehand after dismal performances, and uh, yeah, it, it it was probably one of the most embarrassing moments ever for me watching a match because I was watching it with some of my Saudi friends, and uh, they 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 said we're not going to win, we're not going to win, and I was like, yeah, of course you're not going to win. We're gonna we're gonna thrash you, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, uh, safe to say I was uh, I was red faced after that. Yeah, so let's let's move on swiftly because I feel like this is a definite attack uh, against my country and my team. I'm just saying, um, if you lose into Saudi Arabia, you can't blame people for going there. Exactly, absolutely. Well, actually, I, the I think the Saudi Arabia uh, league is one of my favourite leagues in terms of atmosphere and fans. It really is unbelievable. You probably know more than me because must be checking out uh, Bilali and what he's doing in the in the in the obviously in the Saudi Arabian league. Yeah, yeah, and even Qatar with Bunna Jahan, Qatar Asian champions. So, is I just heard, didn't uh, um, Bunna, was Bunna playing against when uh, when Al Sadd played Al Hilal in uh, the Asian Cup final in the semi final? Yeah, he, he wasn't. He was. He was he playing in the first leg, not the second leg. No, he was injured, leg. right? He was suspended. Oh, that's why. That's why they lost then. <laughs> even game, even though they did Look at really... how Al Hilal they had Bafatimbi Gomez up front. Yeah, exactly, exactly, um, and and Giovinco, Let's not forget. Oh, so no, it's some 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 massive players, some massive massive players. Um, so I, I think we've probably wrapped up most of this uh, of what we're going to talk about here, Dean. Have you got anything else to add? No, I'm, uh, I'm, I've, it's been a pleasure to discuss African football with you, and I could do it all day. I, I think we have some questions from from uh, people from Twitter. Um, but because uh, one of our, one of our social media managers did post it, uh, some some a lot of tweets. We've had a lot of interactions on there, yeah. and uh, it's going to be really difficult to to find the questions. So we might have to delay that for next week. So if you did ask a question and we didn't answer it, please send it in next time when we uh, when we obviously tweet it out, and uh, I will try to screenshot them quickly and ask them on the next podcast. So Dean. Um, I think I should close the podcast today. Okay. Uh, since, <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously, thank you a lot, Dean, for, for being on here again. Um, another brilliant podcast, another pleasure, another pleasure for, for, for us to, to, to do this again, a third episode. And, yeah, we will be here next week, possibly, <laughs> if we don't delay it again. And, well, it's been uh, once we'll, a month we'll... so far. It's going to be one next one's going to be in November, the way it's looking. So we'll keep yeah. up to our 12 podcast a year theme. We, we really have um, some brilliant guests coming on. Um, Darren 